0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Minnesota Twins 3, the Cleveland Indians nothing. I'm Davey a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And man, the Cleveland Indians are not giving us anything enjoyable to watch right now. They have a scoreless streak. Up in the 20 innings of, so 20, I think it's 22 or 23 innings now, of scoreless baseball. They have been absolutely brutal to watch on TV right now. But I still love the game of baseball. There are still things to talk about in this game. So let's get into it. Don't forget Tristan McKenzie pitched in this game. And that's always going to be pretty important for the Cleveland Indians. But yeah, I mean, they lose 3-0 back-to-back games to the Minnesota Twins. They fall under 500. They have not scored a run since the fourth inning of Monday night's game. That makes it, yeah, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 scoreless innings in a row. And unfortunately, I got to wake up early in the morning gotta do stuff so that means i'm recording this at night right after the game ended which makes this cleveland baseball nightly all right so let's get into it let's get into the storylines of this game And once again, it's a pitching duel. The Minnesota Twins throw out their newest prospect, Joe Ryan, who came over in the trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. And they got him for Nelson Cruz. He was one of two prospects that came over. This is his second start, his second Major League start of his career. And he faced the Cubs earlier, now facing the Cleveland Indians. And he was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic, had a perfect game, a perfect game going into the uh, the seventh inning, and with one out in the seventh inning, Ahmed Rosario finally hits a single, finally breaks it up, and it would be the only Indians hit, base runner, walk, it would be, be it, it would be it offensively for the Cleveland Indians, one single. From Ahmed Rosario, he would steal second, he would move up to third on a ground ball by Jose Ramirez. That's it, that's all the Indians did offensively. That is it. So, we got to give some credit to Joe Ryan. And this guy, if you heard the stories on the broadcast, uh, he's a former water polo player. They were talking about it constantly on the broadcast while he's on the mound. If you hadn't heard, He's a former water polo player, and he claims that that is one of the reasons that he has such a strong arm. Now, he doesn't throw a ridiculously fast fastball. It was only 92 to 96, I think they say he averages on his fastball. Let's see what it was tonight. Uh, Going over to the player breakdown page, Joe Ryan's fastball. Uh... Sat between 89, maxed out at 89.9, so basically 90, and maxed out at 94.4. So he averaged 92.1 on his fastball. But he claims that playing water polo and having to use your upper body, you know, in the water to get a little more in the throw helped him develop his arm. So uh, he is the number 6th prospect in the twin system after the trade. I don't know where he was in the raise system, but I know he was climbing up the raise system fast. Uh, He was a 7th round pick in 2018. Arm injuries in the Cape Cod League, even though he pitched good, kind of held him back. Uh, He didn't get drafted because of that. He went and played at Division II Cal State um, and ended up dominating there and then getting drafted in the 7th round. So this guy was kind of a sleeper. But honest to God, this Nelson Cruz trade here could be one of the best trades the Minnesota Twins ever. Ever pull off. If Joe Ryan turns into an ace, turns into a Shane Bieber-esque ace, ace for the Minnesota Twins, look out, Central Division. California guy, he's got the long hair just like Bieber. I mean, really kind of reminds you uh, you know, of him. 6'2, big guy. The greatest fastball. Remember, on the grading scale, it's a scale between 20 and 80. And a lot of times it's, you know. 10s and 5s, right? You know, you're not going to see a guy with a fastball with a 62 grade. You're either at a 55, 60, 65, something like that. So out of 80, a possible 80, the greatest fastball is a 60. It's his best pitch. His slider at 55. His curveball at 45. His changeup at 45. His control at 55. Overall, a 50 grade on him as a prospect. But he was fantastic tonight. Did not rack up the strikeouts but really did a good job of keeping Indians hitters off balance all night long. And he wasn't doing anything special here. It's not like he had a dominant changeup that we couldn't touch. 52 of his 85 pitches were fastballs. 61% fastball. Uh, They only swung and missed seven times on 45 swings. 16% whiff rate. That's not fantastic. Uh, CSW on the day was only 27%. The only really great CSW number was on his slider, which was at 40%. He only threw it 15 times, though. Uh, they did put four of those in play. They fouled off 18 fastballs, which definitely helped. Um, they put 11 of those in play. They were actually averaging hard contact off his fastball. They were average, well, almost hard contact. They were almost averaging hard contact off his fastball, 937 mile per hour, average exit velocity off his fastball tonight. Bobby Bradley, you want to talk about storylines in this game. Bobby Bradley against uh, Ryan. Was he against Ryan in all three at-bats? No, his last at-bat would come against the bullpen. I think it was Theobar. Was he the first one to come in for the Twins out of the bullpen? Yeah, Theobar pitched the eighth and Duffy pitched the ninth. Uh But the first two at-bats from Bobby Bradley to show you what the exit velocity was going on here. 104.7 miles per hour in the second inning with one out. 395 feet to center field off of a fastball. 40-degree launch angle, though, would turn out into a lazy flyout for Byron Buxton. His next at-bat from Bobby Bradley... 106.1 106.1 miles per hour hits it even harder. 393 feet ends up hitting it two feet shorter. 38 degree launch angle, so he was bringing the launch angle down a little bit. This one had expected batting average of 550. Lazy flyout to Buxton on the warning track, and then his final at bat against Theobar, You know, taking a little bit away from Joe Ryan here. This is supposed to be his segment. Bobby Bradley goes 102.5 miles per hour off a fastball. 37 degree launch angle, this time only 374 feet. A lazy fly ball to Byron Buxton. So, Bobby Bradley definitely has reason to uh, maybe toss a Gatorade cooler or something in the dugout. Uh, I would be frustrated if I were tattooing balls all night and just getting on, un- not even getting under them. I mean, that one had a lower expecting attic. It was a 410. His first one had an expected batting average of 380. So it's not like these are terrible swings. In some parks, these are home runs or off the wall at least. Uh, not in Cleveland, though. Not tonight. Uh, I don't know if it's something about the air down there. Maybe because it was a cooler night and the ball just wasn't carrying for him. But uh, so yeah, so it's not like they weren't hitting, hitting Joe Ryan hard. There were definitely some hard hits against him. He gave up one, two, three, four, five, six hard hit balls on 85 pitches. It just didn't matter. They were making outs. Uh, Arise was making great plays at third base. Uh, Yeah, there were some good defensive plays from the Twins that took away some hits. And it's just how it went tonight for the Indians. It's just how it went. Ryan's final line, seven innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts on 85 pitches. All right. Let's talk about the other... No, no, no. You know what? I'm not done. I'm not done with the Minnesota Twins pitching because... We are making the Minnesota Twins' starting pitching look out of this world in this series. We are making them look fantastic. And I told you the Indians have struggled against the Twins all season, continue to have a losing record. I believe now this means they lost the season series against the Minnesota Twins. And they just drove us under 500. And we're making their starting pitching look fantastic. And I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, I'm looking at the numbers, and it's not. The Minnesota Twins on fan graphs, looking at the team stats. Now, this does not include tonight's uh, numbers, but the cumulative war for the starting pitchers on fan graphs for the Minnesota Twins. The best in baseball is Milwaukee at 17.5, which, by the way, they're about to be here this weekend, 17.5. The Indians starting pitching, you know they've lost a ton to injury. Check in at 20th in the league at 7.1 war, wins above replacement. You know, one of the best overall measures of just how are how good are you? How good are you? What would you be against a replacement-level player? Their value is 7.1. The Minnesota Twins check in at 26th in baseball at 5.0. So they are, you know, not a great starting pitching staff. ERA, how about that? Now, for some reason, Fangraphs loves organizing these things from high to low. So it's going to give me the ERAs and reverse orders. The Minnesota Twins are the third worst in baseball at 5.23. Only Baltimore and Pittsburgh are worse. Now, Cleveland, man, I can't believe this. They're eighth worst in baseball uh, at 4.82. So I guess that would make them 22nd in baseball if you flipped it around at 4.82. It's been a little bit rough for the Indians starting pitching. All right, what about some of the advanced stats, right? What about uh, batting average against, you know? Something like that. The Minnesota Twins are sixth worst in baseball with a 260 batting average against. Cleveland is a little bit much better in this one. They're uh, 17th worst in baseball, which if you flip that around would be... Come on, fan graphs. 14th in baseball at 241. The L.A. Dodgers are the best at 205 batting average against their starting pitchers. Milwaukee, 211 batting average against their starting pitchers. All right, so, I mean, there's some pretty common numbers, but it's pretty obvious that Minnesota has a bad pitching staff. I don't think you need me to dive into more advanced numbers than that. But maybe they're playing better. Maybe they're just playing better. So let's say since August 1st. Since August 1st, where do the Minnesota Twins rank as far as starting pitching staffs go. Let's go back to the stat war. Let's take a look at who's got the best war when it comes to starting pitchers since August 1st. It's actually the Toronto Blue Jays at 5.6, then the Dodgers, then Milwaukee. Cleveland comes in at sixth best in baseball at 3.8 war. Minnesota is all the way down at 26th in baseball at 0.6. What about ERA? Maybe they're, maybe they're limiting runs really well. Nope, they're the third worst in baseball since August 1st with a 6.15 ERA. Cleveland is eighth in baseball at 3.74. So even if you look at a smaller sample size and like look recently, the Minnesota Twins still arguably have one of the worst starting pitching staffs in baseball, and we are making them look fantastic. 23 in a row, scoreless innings. Against the Cleveland Indians right now, we have to break this streak tomorrow. So yeah, so it's really bad for the Indians right now, and the Minnesota Twins are just a thorn in our side this entire entire season. All right, how about the Indian? Uh, how about the Indian starting pitching? Right? How about Tristan McKenzie? He goes six innings pitched, only gives up three hits, one earned run. One walk, seven strikeouts on 83 pitches, is hard hit seven times on 83 pitches. Tristan McKenzie was locked in on the other side. Only gives up three hits, all singles. Um, The earned run, ready for this one? was a walk. Same thing that happened yesterday. That walk turned into a run. He stole second. Uh, Who was it here? It was not yet. It was Ref Snyder, I believe. Yeah. It was Ref Snyder. He, uh, he walks, steals second, Nick Gordon, uh, then singles him in. And it was just that easy for the Twins to score a run once they got that runner on base. So uh, McKenzie does take the loss in this one because he gives up that one run. He moves to four and six on the season. But that's not to take anything away from the way he pitched. The Minnesota Twins would add more runs off our bullpen. Wickren would give up a monster home run to Miguel Sano. Uh, what was the distance on that one? I would love to see that 112.1 miles per hour, 449 feet. I believe it cleared the bullpens in center field, cleared up up on the plaza, 24 degree launch angle. That's the, I mean, if you want to know the difference between what Bobby Bradley was doing and what Miguel Sano did, Bobby Bradley was literally just getting under everything. It was a 40 degree launch angle, 39, 38 degree launch angle. So no hits is at a 24-degree launch angle. That's a barrel. That's the difference between a barrel and a hard-hit pop-up is that launch angle. That's why they created the stat barrel. The difference, if you look at someone's hard-hit rate and then their barrel percentage, the difference is that launch angle and the distance the ball goes. So uh, staying within a certain launch angle qualifies it as a barreled ball. So that's what Miguel Sano did here off of uh, Wickren, who again struggles with giving up home runs, and then Brian Shaw ends up giving up a hit to Jeffers. Uh, Jeffers would end up getting a double off him in the 8th inning, or is this in the seventh? uh Yeah, the 8th inning, and then uh, would end up coming around to score. He was held at 3rd originally, but then uh, Byron Buxton is able to drive him in on a ground out. They can't turn a double play on Buxton, and he comes in to score. So That's how they scored all the runs off our pitching. But Tristan McKenzie, what was working for him tonight, what wasn't working for him tonight. Tristan McKenzie's CSW numbers, uh, everything is in the high 20s. It's a fair performance as far as getting strikes goes. Threw the fastball a lot, 48 times from the four-seam fastball, 18 sliders, 17 curveballs. Yeah, he did a decent job getting strikes with that four-seam fastball. And uh, like I said, 29% CSW on the fastball, 28% on the slider, and back to 29% on the curveball. So he did a good job with those pitches. By the way, the average exit velocity off of those sliders and those curveballs, they put three of them in play. The average exit velocity off a slider was 69 miles per hour. The average exit velocity off his curveball, they only put one in play, was 57 miles per hour. And the slider, it's not like it's a huge range. The max exit velocity off the slider was 75.8. So good job with the off-speed pitches of uh, really inducing weak contact when they did make contact. Now going over to the illustrator, I love to see where guys are locating the ball and then where are the strikeouts coming. Uh, for Joe Ryan, giving him, you know, we'll jump in. We didn't talk about the illustrator for Joe Ryan yet. He was actually keeping everything really in the strike zone. Not many fastballs. Only three fastballs above the zone. So not going with high fastballs or anything like that. Um, what was he on the day? 85 pitches, 61 strikes. That's pretty aggressive. Uh, McKenzie was 83 pitches, 53 strikes. So Ryan had a, definitely had a higher zone percentage than he did. Uh, he was using the fastball all over, although locating a lot uh, up and into the righties, up and away to the lefties. Uh, he is a right-handed pitcher, so it's not surprising to see a lot of fastballs located on that left edge of the plate from the catcher's view. Uh, you could see kind of a sweep in his arm angle on the slider. He does throw from a little bit of a three-quarters arm angle, and you could see it in his slider the way it sweeps from about the belt of the right-handed hitter all the way down to the knees of the left-handed hitter. Uh, there's definitely a clear path there. And the curveball he was able to throw to both sides. So that's pretty good. And the chain jump. He was able to throw to both sides. So that's the mix from Joe Ryan. McKenzie was pounding the strike zone four quadrants. McKenzie really was four quadrants on the day. The fastball he was locating all over. The slider he would sweep across the zone. And then the curveball he would put uh, to both sides of the plate. It was trailing a little bit towards the right edge of the plate. But he was able to put a couple of curveballs on the left edge of the plate as well. And he did some painting here. So those strikeouts, uh, Byron Buxton versus Tristan McKenzie is definitely a storyline here because he gets him on an 0-2 count, swinging at a slider outside of the zone. Gets him to chase a slider. His next time up in the fourth inning, freezes him on the outside edge on a 1-2 count with a fastball, a beautiful painted fastball right off the edge of the right side of the plate. He gets the called strike and then freezes him in the sixth inning on an 0-2 count with a high slider this time, a high one at the top of the zone, but again paints the top right corner of the strike zone with a slider. And clearly it's a situation where Buxton chased in the first inning and didn't want to do it later in the game, and instead McKenzie doesn't throw it across the zone. He paints the right edge of the strike zone with two beautiful pitches, so he strikes Buxton out three times. He also got Miguel Sano with a fastball right down the middle on a 3-2 count, just a little bit below the belt. Frankly, a pitch that Miguel Sano should destroy, and he swings through it, so he gets lucky on that one. He gets a rise to foul tip a fastball uh, down in the bottom right corner of the zone, and then uses two curveballs, one to get Jeffers swinging, and then that is at the bottom of the strike zone, and then one on the plate, basically, to get Jorge Polanco. Uh, continuing a storyline in this series from Polanco and Buxton killing us, that did not happen tonight. Uh Buxton was 0 for 4, although he did get the RBI ground out, and Polanco was 1 for 4 on the day. So keeping those two guys in check at least uh something Tristan McKenzie did. So McKenzie pitched great. Jeff uh, you know, Joe Ryan pitched better. It's it's that simple. It's that simple this game. But as you can see, there is some nuance to it, and there's some things we could take away. I think Tristan McKenzie should walk away from this start very happy, even though he takes the loss in this one. I think he should really, you know, those guys, those guys on offense tonight, and it was a somewhat of a weird lineup, Andres Jimenez batting leadoff, obviously DeMarlo Hale. I wonder, I wonder if he got gets word from up top on things like this, like, Hey, we want to make an evaluation. You know, try Andres Jimenez in the leadoff spot. Like, let's let's see what happens. You've been batting him ninth for a while. You're giving Miles Straw the day off. You gave Daniel Johnson a shot. Daniel Johnson is batting ninth, you know, tonight. And so he gives Andre Jimenez a shot. And like we said, they're rotating guys through. They're giving everybody a day off, kind of one at a time right now. And it happened to be Miles Straw's night off. So I wonder if, you know, Chernoff and Antonetti said we'd, we'd like to at least get a little bit of data on Jimenez leading off, on Daniel Johnson leading off, just to see, just to get him an extra at bat, just to see. And it doesn't go well. He goes 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. So it's a little bit of a weird lineup tonight because of that. Lavarnaway was in there instead of uh, Austin Hedges. Lavarnaway had actually been hitting okay. He goes 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Uh, just a. Man, they got to figure something out. They have to figure something out for tomorrow. Score a run. Do whatever you have to do to scratch a run across, and then maybe you can break this thing open and flip this thing around. But you lost the series. You lost the season series. You fell below 500. There's not a lot to pat yourself on the back about tonight, except maybe Tristan McKenzie. Giving him MVP for the day, I think it's pretty clear he deserves it. Frankly, so does Joe Ryan over for Minnesota. Uh, Both starting pitchers were fantastic. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. For show merch, visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more for men, women, kids. Show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes, and it's my pin tweet on Twitter at DaveyParris. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Twins 3, the Indians nothing. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll probably be another Cleveland baseball nightly episode. Dobnik against Quantrill. Come on, has got a 764 ERA. Score a freaking run off of him. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland. Baseball Nightly.